Thanks for tuning in to this special edition of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. This edition of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast was brought on by request. There's a lot of moms and dads out there, and we really wanted to talk about what it is to raise a child, bring them in through the school system, staying home with your kids, studying. I had the opportunity to do a panel discussion with Kayla and Karan, who are moms, and we just talk about everything from transitioning your child from elementary school to high school, also staying involved with their education, teaching them how to deal with bullying, and how to enforce really good study habits at home with September coming up and school's back in session very shortly, or it may already be starting for your kids. I thought that this would be a great opportunity to listen in for all of you blurred parents out there. So in this episode, I am not really involved because I myself personally don't have any kids. So I help facilitate the discussion. And meanwhile, Karan and Kayla do most of the conversing on this episode. So sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy this one. And all of the kids out there that are going back to school soon, Have a fun semester. Good luck with your first day of school. Have fun with with learning. Learning can be a lot of fun. It may be challenging at some times and homework may be a drag, but overall, going back to school and getting your education is a great experience. Enjoy. Welcome to this segment of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. Very excited about this particular segment. This was actually brought on by demand. Many people on Twitter always ask for, you know, give us feedback and really want to have certain types of topics discussed on the show. And someone tweeted to me, hey, you should talk about being a mom and kids going back to school this year, especially with September coming up right around the corner. So I have two guests here who are moms that is going to talk about what it is to be parent and dealing with the work-life balance of, of having children and having a family, and maybe give you some tips for how to prep your, your kid when it's time to get back to school. So I have Kayla and Karan here. Thank you so much, ladies, for coming on. Hey. Hello. And I won't have too much to add to this discussion because myself, I do not have any kids, but I'll chime in here and there because I do have a nephew who's... You can have some of mine. (laughs) You can always have mine. He's, he's, you know, yeah, you can. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So let me start with this first topic. Um, How to help your child adjust with the transition from elementary to middle school and or middle to high school. How have you guys in your experience, um, and I know that your, your kids vary in ages, so whatever is applicable, but how have you um, helped your child transition? We'll start with Karan and then Kayla. <laughs> I got a good therapist. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, we had a support group uh, when my eldest daughter went to middle school. They literally had a psychologist at the school and they had a parent support group um, because they're crazy and Mm. um, they turn into aliens and you don't know who they are, where they came from. You don't know what they're thinking and what they're about to do. Um, And, you know, I, I only pop out one kid a decade. So my kids range in age from 27 and I claim my grandkids too. So 27 to seven weeks. And, um, 
but the transition from elementary to middle school is probably the most difficult one because that's when the hormones are popping, baby, right. popping. And and hormones popping is a lot more than sexuality. It's also the way they think, the speed at which they think, the speed in which they move changes because they suddenly don't hear things that they used to hear. So <laughs> or ignore things that they used to, you know, jump on. Their interests change. Their they have to uh, be a lot more vigilant when it comes to peer pressure and the people who are around them because middle school is where you really see the influence of the family and the support system that's around every child. You get to see what's actually being produced by that child from their environment. So um, my number one recommendation is get a good therapist for you, the parent, um, and do your best to stay connected. Like in, in my home growing up, you didn't have privacy until you were old enough to purchase it. And it's the same way with my children. You know, you don't have company with closed doors. You don't go to anyone, anyone's house whose parent I can't call and talk to. If I can't put my hands on you, you know, it has to be a hands-on, um, a hands-on transition. They need to know they have your support because what you don't want is for them to be afraid to come to you when something does, you know, it, it can't be, it doesn't even go wrong. It's just adolescence. It's a crazy time. It's just a crazy time, a transition. Lots of wonderful things happen. They get to discover who they are. They begin, you know, uh, feeding their own interests, feeding the things that, that bring them joy, discovering the things that make them, you know, make them sing. And, um, that's interesting, too, because then you begin to discover that your child is actually not you. It may not be anything like you at all. So it's a transition for the parent as well. For me, I it's different because I have a seven-year-old. So his transitions should be, in some people's eyes, minor because he's in elementary school. He's in second grade. Um, however, my son is autistic. So transitions are his biggest thing and have been his biggest thing from preschool to pre-K to pre-K to first kindergarten, first grade, second grade. So that's something we work on a lot um, because children that age have a really hard time with change, especially uh, autistic kids. They like consistency. They need a schedule. But they have to realize at some point that life is full of changes. It's full of transitions. Nothing's ever going to be completely consistent. So you have to ease them into these things. It was, you know, it's rough. Um, there are days where I, I don't want to come home. I sit out in the carport, in the car, in the air conditioning, and just sit there for a minute and just breathe after I get off work because that's what it's going to take for you to have that mental capacity to help them through. Um, it's, it's a lot, I can tell you, with transitioning um, if you have a special needs children because there's a lot of that comes comes into play. You have IEPs, which are individualized education mm -hmm. plans, which are amazing. And I don't, I suggest that every parent be as hands-on with IEPs. Um, I don't know if Karan has had any experience with them, but they are great. I had IEPs and I wasn't in special needs, but it makes goals that you want to see your child reach and what they want to be reaching. It, it puts it into place. So then it can help them with those transitions. Um, Scheduling is just as big as as it's needed as in school as it is at home. So we've got a set schedule for home. Sometimes they get thrown off because mommy might have a podcast on Black Friday. 
you know, but even I have tried to work around that and also having a, a good partner um, in doing this and helping with the transitions and everybody, everybody has to be on the same page when it comes to transitions for any kid, whether it be high school, middle school, special needs, elementary school, anything. Everyone has to be on the same page for what's going to be in the best interest of the child. And transitions are a huge part of that, getting them ready to know that, like I said, nothing is consistent. So knowing that today might be different because this nothing is consistent. Mm, Yeah, that's the key right there, huh? As Kayla had mentioned, IEPs and really getting involved in your child's schooling. And that, that brings me to the next point about being an advocate for your child. And how does one as a parent really stay involved through and through with a child's schooling, um, whether it's being there after school and helping with homework or being involved in extracurricular activities? What are some suggestions on how you can be a better advocate for your child? Well, interestingly, she did bring up IEPs, and my experience with IEPs was quite different. Um, With one of my daughters, she is brilliant, but she learns very differently. Um, She is, um, she has a vivid imagination, and she is uh, very animated, and I have no idea where that comes from, but she's very animated. You have no idea where that comes from? And she, they want, they didn't, I, they wanted to do an IEP for her and give her some special attention for reading. And they were saying she was falling behind in reading. And I said, well, um, no, we're not going to do that because she could read before she got here. So why can't she read now? And because I knew who the key players were and because I did a little more digging and because I showed up, I discovered that she was at an accelerated pace. And instead of her being moved forward, she was held back with the other children. I would not have known that had I not showed up. Eventually I removed my, ch- my, my youngest daughter from the whole school system and put her into a charter school um, that focused in the areas that she's strongest, which is science and music. Um, and I'm very, very happy. It's a smaller, uh, a, a much smaller environment. They know every child by name um, and they love these children. And you see the love in the air um, when they deal with the children. But my, my greatest suggestion is to show up. And it's not always easy. Mm-hmm. And I, I can be very transparent about this because for a, a long period of time, my family was homeless. Mm-hmm. And even during that time, Fear was struck into some certain people when I pulled up to that school. I would always tell my children, I would ask them, do I need to come for a visit? I'm going to give you an opportunity to handle it. You know, not the real little ones, but, you know, the older ones. I'm going to give you an opportunity to handle it. Ask the questions you need to ask, get the information you need to get. If you're not satisfied, then come talk to me. But there is no such thing as no when it comes to the needs of my child. You're going to give her what you're getting paid to be there for. <laughs> and if you're not going to give her what she needs, then we will kindly remove you and put somebody else in place. But you have to show up in order for that to happen. And even during the time when we were transient and homeless um, and, you know, there there are different levels of homelessness. We were homeless, homeless. We weren't homeless light. We were homeless, homeless. So during that period of time, 
um, there's still telephone. There's still Internet. You may not be able to take a face to face meeting, but you can set up a regular phone meeting. There's nothing that says you can't ask for documents to be sent home. Have that folder sent home once a week so you can review, figure out where things are and talk to your child. You have to listen to what your child says is going on at school. Um, there's some situations that come up like, you know, teachers wanting the kids to stay together so they might not let a child go to the bathroom. Mm. That's a very real issue. And I had to teach my children, sweetie, if you have to go, you ask. And if they say no, you get up and you walk out. And then when you leave the bathroom, you, you wash your hands and you go to the office and you call me and let them explain to me why you couldn't go to the restroom. It's it's very interesting when you listen to the stories of, of your children. Don't just ask about their, their social interaction with the other children. Ask them about the adults. Know who the names are of the people who are caring for your children every day. It's very, very important. Um, when it comes to ac extracurricular activity, I would say pace yourselves <laughs> because you will burn yourself out running after these children. They want to do everything. Make them choose. Teach them to commit to something, to see something through um, because you will run yourself ragged with basketball and football and volleyball and these activities are expensive and the, the 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 cheering squad and gymnastics and all those other things you have to choose because the most important thing I can say to every parent out there regardless of what your child's status is you are no good to your child if you're not taking care of yourself you have to make sure you make time for yourself because the kids do come first they do but you got to take care of yourself so that you can take care of them. Self-care is so important. That's a great point. I always joke that my old school system, when my sister, the last little Sutton, walked across that stage, they threw a huge party because my mom was the biggest advocate and the biggest pain in their ass when it came to her kids. And that's <laughs> what I learned how to do. Um, I don't take with IEPs. It's different for me. Um, I question a lot because that's the biggest thing. There is no such thing as a stupid question, especially when it comes to your child. Absolutely. You get to know. Um, so I'm very, when I go to these IEPs, I have a list of questions. There's a list of expectations that I expect to be met from them. Um, the first two years of my son in school, pre-K and kindergarten were rough. Uh, there were days... I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if he was going to be kicked out. What? Because his, my son is very social. He's on the broader end of the spectrum when it comes to autism. He loves people. He doesn't have boundaries and he has problem with impulses. So, and behavior. So that's what we deal with. It's different. It's not the secluded kid in the corner. It's the one saying, Hey, I don't want to do this. Bye. Walking away. So I'm a big advocate for he needs boundaries but he's a kid. So there's has to be a level of understanding that not all of it, um, not all of the blame goes to autism. Not all the blame goes to him being a kid. There's gotta be an equal balance. So I'm a huge advocate for being involved because my mom was the same way. That's what she did for all of us. If something went wrong that she did not like, and she was even an advocate for the school for when we did things that we, you know, we fucked up. 
Everybody does. That's what they're going to do. The kids are going to fuck up. That is ingrained in them. When God made children, he said, I'm putting a little bit of fuck shit up in there. All of them. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's just how it is. Um, And it's hard those first few years when you're learning how to be a mother. I was 19 when I had my son. So I grew up with him, like like I like to say. And my mother was young when she had me. So she grew up with me. It's a learning process. So learning to be that voice when they don't have one. My son has a speech impairment. He has speech apraxia, which means that the placement of vowels and consonants in his mouth don't come out the way that he wants. So he has a frustration that he may be saying in his mind exactly what he wants to say to you. But it's not coming out. So he's mad. He's getting more and more frustrated. So I'm a big advocate for can you try and listen to my child? They'll, they'll call me. I don't understand what he's saying. They'll put him on the phone. I'm like, well, did you ask him to slow down? Did you ask him to show you maybe draw it for you before you call me at work? That's right. Don't call me at work for things that you can handle that. That's my biggest pet peeve there. There are times I check my phone daily. Um, just in case. And that's just, just any parent, especially when your kid is not with you, you check your phone. Um, so I'm also, I'm also not an advocate for workplaces that say your phone needs to be in your car. I'm sorry. Work phone doesn't always work because they might not get through to me. So my cell phone is going to be right there next to me so that I can be there when needed. That's just how it's going to be. Um, going to the principal and letting things be known, that's not a bad thing. Not at all. Not by any means. Um, Showing that you care. There's a difference between being a helicopter parent, which I hate. I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry. If, if you do so, I can't do that. That's just not part of who I am. For me, I'm going to be an advocate, but I'm not going to helicopter, but I am going to make sure shit goes the way that I want it to. I'm going to make sure that you're being the best teacher you can. And that's all you can hope for. Um, that you, sometimes you have to be a bitch to get your point across because they will say that they know more than you. A degree doesn't mean shit to me if you're not listening to my child at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So being an advocate and being there showing up, like Quran said, is important. It's hugely important. How do you deal with cases of bullying? I mean, bullying, especially now with respect to cyberbullying, is really taking a toll on so many kids today and to the point where tragedy strikes and, and kids are committing suicide because they're being bullied incessantly. Um, so how do you deal with that, um, on the internet side with cyberbullying as well as bullying, you know, in the classroom? I have to be honest about this. Um, I think some people confuse bullying with, um, just round away foolishness. Um, there are some things that are not actually being, people aren't being bullied. They just aren't getting their way. And I'm seeing more and more of that happen as this word is being overused. Bullying is a very, very, very critical, serious issue because kids are losing their lives over being bullied. But the flip side to that is there's some that are not being bullied and are not bullying. 
they're simply not getting what one party is not getting their way. And there's a big difference. So we need to understand the distinction between the two. Getting into an argument, having a disagreement is not bullying. Mm. Someone coming after you repeatedly harassing you is bullying. Someone intimidating you is bullying. Someone touching you is assault. So let's be clear. When it comes to bullying, and I've had to deal with this with my girls, um, it's a very difficult issue, but I have a rule in my house. The first time you tell an adult. The second time you tell an adult, excuse me, and you make your warning very clear to whoever the offending party is. If there is a third time, I'm expecting to get a phone call from somebody because somebody better be in the floor. I don't advocate physical violence. I am an advocate for self-defense because I've had to deal with hot hands from little boys that didn't know where to put them or uh, intimidation by sexual innuendo, which is, a reality in middle school and elementary school when these kids are developing and don't know where to put stuff. They don't know what to do with what's going on at home. They don't know what to do with what's going on with them and their bodies. They don't know what to do with these new socialization skills that they need to learn um, and understand that we also live in a very litigious society. People want to sue you for everything. Um, it's very important that we teach our children not to put their hands on each other. It's very important that we teach our children how to diffuse or attempt to diffuse a situation or to get help when they need help. Because there's some situations that I've seen over the last two years, uh, both in elementary school, middle school and in high school where there had to be legal intervention. There had to be. And when I, I mean law enforcement intervention. Um, when kids are bullied, they often feel like there is no way out. That nobody does understand what's really going on. And we need to be able to provide them a soft place to land. After they land, we need to be able to build them up so that they can stand on their own. And if they can't fight back and their fight back might not look like your fight back, you know, if they can't fight back on their own, they need to know where they can go for help. And if you bring a situation to the attention of the administration or an adult that works at that school and they ignore it, you give them two days. If they don't address it by the second day, you run up in there and handle your business because it's their job, just as much their job to protect these children as it is our job to protect them. A whole lot goes on on those buses on the way to school and on the way home. Mm-hmm. In an area like Baltimore, where I'm from, there are no yellow buses. The yellow buses, the the the. Let me correct that. The yellow buses are only for special needs kids. 
The rest of the population, the rest of the student population, citywide takes mass transit like everybody else going to work. They have a few extra buses that go to a few specific schools, but for the most part, the vast majority, it is absolutely mass transportation, in which case there is no responsibility of the school. There is no one to call if the bus doesn't show up to come back and pick up your kid. That's a different dynamic. But know who that bus driver is. Seriously? If there is a problem, you give them two days to address it. If they don't address it by the second day, you run up in there. If you got to run up on that bus and address that bus driver, you do just that. But you have to you have to address it and you need to allow your children to see you address it appropriately. To see you deal with it and address it appropriately because they're watching. They're watching us for how we handle these situations. And the majority of the time, they are scared. If someone's being bullied, they're scared. They're afraid of what might happen, or they may have even been threatened. It has to be addressed. And there is no excuse for the administration, for the staff, not to appropriately address it. At one point, one of my daughters was suspended from school because a boy was bullying her. And she she was very She's not passive. She's quiet sometimes. And when she's quiet, that's when you need to be scared. She got quiet. She withdrew. She told the the teacher. She told the bus driver. They did nothing. It happened again. She told the teacher. She told the bus driver. She told me. I addressed the situation. The third time it happened, they're calling me to her school because she broke the boy's nose. Two hits. She hit him and he hit the floor and then wanted to give me a lecture about discipline. And I said, no, no, we're not doing this because I have it documented who said what and when and you did nothing. This child should have been removed because he was harassing her. It was a boy, a big old boy harassing my daughter. And she took him out. And I am not going to reprimand her for defending herself. She didn't get in trouble. She got a good dinner. She didn't get in trouble for that. I'm so serious. We went out. We had a good time. And and those three days that she stayed home, we we of course we talked about it. But she, I wasn't going to discipline her for defending herself. And we need to stop this dialogue where everybody is butthurt over a disagreement it sometimes it's not bullying but when it is we need to be able to clearly identify it and swiftly address it because it's too important it's different with elementary school because they it's a it's a harder subject because they're learning what they're learning in elementary school they've learned from home it's different if they've gone through elementary school without being a bully and then they get to middle school and they start learning it from the people that learned it from when they were in elementary school. That's how that develops. Um, I was bullied all through middle school. I hit a point, had these huge Coke bottle glasses, as thin, like super, like, like, but I always read. I was always in the corner. My hair wasn't perfect. I had really frizzy, nappy hair. So for me, I was an easy target, especially when I hit seventh grade and I developed. 
I have been below a C cup since I was in seventh grade. So that made me an easy target for boys is bullying or harassment is bullying. Let's get that straight. We're going to get that out there for Mills. Be clear. Um, a seventh, a 12 year old boy commenting or, um, what was the big thing they used to do to me in middle school? They used to toss a pencil down on the ground. Me being the good person that I am, I would pick it up. I me being naive because that's just how I was. My nose was always in a book. They were trying to look down my shirt. That's harassment. That's bullying because that's ridiculous at that point. But it made you an easy target for girls. So the girls can be hateful. I'm still having a new, this cyberbullying thing is still new for me because it still wasn't a big thing. I didn't start getting into social media and being on the internet until high school. So I'm still learning about what that is because I had it up front in my face, bullying in the bathroom, pushed up against the wall because somebody's boyfriend was looking at me. So that was a problem. Um, Completely didn't understand it because my dad is military. The rule was you didn't date till you were 16. So I kind of really did not want to break the rules. Um, It's harder past middle before middle school because those kids are learning how to be hateful from home and I I knock on wood thank god my son has only had one instance of bullying and it's a constant fear for me every day because he is special needs and he that makes him an easier target for hateful people um luckily he's loved by everybody because he's so friendly and he loves people and making new friends but the one time that it did happen I I, my heart fell in my stomach and it happened to be not even in school it doesn't happen at school it happens at after school program it happens at camp and that's where it happened last summer he had a because it was the why and he is really good at sports he didn't know to go to some special needs camp he went to regular camp and that made him an easier target for a kid that kept threatening to hit my son with a belt my son was out of camp the week i heard that i pulled him out the y kept contacting me for money i said well he said that he let you know the counselors and everyone else know that he was getting bullied but you dismissed it and that's a big thing they they like to dismiss it because they don't think it's a big deal it is a big deal when someone's threatening something on your life. There, it's different if it's there's difference between teasing, which is normal to children. Children have been teasing f- for centuries. Bullying is completely different when you're threatening somebody, physical harm, and making it tougher for them to come to somewhere where they're supposed to love. Do you, do you, if your boss was being horrible to you? every single day you're not going to want to go there if he was only mean to you only horrible to you you wouldn't going to go so yes there are children out there that are being mean to just one kid making it so unbearable they don't want to go my son was so excited to be in camp and be doing these things and it was a sports camp to the fact where he said do i have to go i don't want to go that kid is there mommy and that broke my heart Mm -hmm. So I, I pulled him out and that was just a, that was a call on me. And luckily I was able to pull him out because I had the support to pick up the slack on childcare. But 
I wanted to touch on something that you said um, a little bit earlier, too. Um, You mentioned uh, about the uh, sexual attention that you received when you were because you were developed. I was too early sprouter. Um, We got TNA all day in this house. And um, (laughs) it's the truth. It's the truth. And, And honestly, I had to kind of not dumb it down, but make it not so serious so that my kids aren't afraid. Because I have all girls, I have a grandson, but I have I have all girls, and um, and we're early bloomers. And the truth is, with my grandson, and he's in middle school now. He's going to middle school now, but he started to get sexual attention from girls. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways. And that was like, wait, 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 hold up, no, because I'm going to the prom with you. Anyway, um, my daughters. I had to teach them about their personhood and their whole bodies and respecting their bodies and other people respecting their bodies. Young women do get attention many times from adult men. And you brought up the Internet. I want to make something really, really clear. If you have young girls that are online in some of these games that are made, they're created, they're fashioned for girls. They have bright pastel colors and they're pinky and you can message each other and you can buy fake clothes and you can shop and furnish your house and all these other things. Please understand some of those people behind those those uh, monikers are not children. Mm-hmm. Some of them are adult men who cruise. Some of these young kids that are gamers and you're able to connect and play with other people. Technology is a wonderful thing, but it is a very, very good place for predators to hide. We, I had a parent um, when I was still teaching and I was doing summer camp and she pulled me over to the side. She's like, have you ever heard of a Twitch? I'm like, yeah, I've been on there before. I said, I used to stream. She's like, well, her son was seven and he was watching a YouTube video and you know, the girl was just, he was watching her play the game, but the guys that would comment or do anything would just say the nastiest thing. I'm like, that's what they do because they, there are men that are insecure in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there are women that are insecure in themselves. We saw that yesterday. So, I mean, insecurity plays a huge part um, in being a parent and teaching your kid to have, I, I, I still struggle with my insecurity because of personal issues um but that's another thing that that goes into um bullying is making sure that it's known how to be confident and having those conversations my mom was huge on that um i don't want to get like teary-eyed but she you know taking your daughter out just to date with you two to the movies or to go get your nails done just Mm -hmm. to talk to them it goes so far because I was the oldest of five girls. So wow. I had estrogen and I was, a, and I'm, I am a tomboy and I'm secluded and I like my space. Um, and my, you're, you know, as a parent, if you, um, know that and can focus on that, it, it, it means the world to these kids. And just to even your son, if you want to take him, go do something, just, Having those dates, if you have multiple kids, just make it be like, okay, this, my mom did that. She'd be like, this weekend, I'm going with Shelby. This weekend, I'm going with Yep. Shelby. You got to put them on rotation. You do. Because <laughs> they, they all have their own thing. They're all their own people. So, yes. 
you know, do something with them that you two can share. It, it You do have to put them on rotation, though, because they're crazy. <laughs> it, it, it made a difference because the bullying got really bad for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I was a military kid. I moved everywhere until my parents divorced. Like, we were just all over the place. I had gone to X amount of elementary schools, X amount of middle schools, three different high schools. So when we finally settled down and my mom noticed me withdrawing, she pulled it out of me because she knew what could happen, especially with the bullying. I learned to make have, I had to learn how to make friends fast. I put myself all out there um, because for me as a military child, and I don't know if Karan can like, what kid, if she notices it or not, we have to make friends and make friends fast because we don't yeah. know how long we're going to be there. Right. So there are some kids that are like that, even not being military children. So they put themselves out there and they're rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that's another big thing too, is just early signs of mental health. Um, my mother did, I, we didn't, I didn't get diagnosed uh, as bipolar until way late in the game. Um, but there were little things that she was she had picked up on having those dates and those times and picking up on little things it does go the long way so that the bullying does minimize the loneliness can minimize as well so as we transition to school starting back september is right around the corner i wanted to wrap up this discussion by talking about implementing good study habits at home. What are some recommendations for, you know, getting your children together and making sure that they are sticking to their homework, that they're studying, that they're attending their extracurricular activities like they're supposed to? What are some recommendations um, for moms that are getting ready to get their kids out for back to school? Well, my kids are already back in school. I have one that's in elementary, one that's in college, and one that's returning to college. Um, so three different stages there. But children mimic what we do. They mimic what we do. And I realized the other day that I am turning into my mother. And it's scary because my mother is the queen of passive aggression. But there were certain things that were routine in our house that you could set a clock by. One of those things was she was up at six in the morning and the news was on before we got before she woke the kids up. Yep. Um, the news is always on in the morning. You got to see the weather. You got to know what's going on in the world. And while you're getting dressed, it actually had quite an impact on me. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I do what I do now. But um, children mimic what they see. If you want your kids to read, then you should be reading. Say it again, Karan, because that... <laughs> if you know. want your kids to read, pick up a book. It's stuff in there. Oh it's goodness. good stuff in there. You know, it it, it it amazes me how, you know, I, I saw this thing floating around again the other day. It was this whole um, thing about Beyonce saying that, that Blue Ivy was a genius because uh, she could count and she could read and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, she should be able to. That, that's actually, it's great. But it's not genius. It's attention. There's a difference. Now, there are some kids that are in the stratosphere and you will know, but you will only know that early if you start with them early. If you have kids that can't read yet, you need to be reading to them. 
And if your kids don't like traditional books, get them into some comics and some graphic novels. Say it again. Yes. You know, if you want to if you want to give them some books with some pictures, let it be some good art. And I'm going to tell you, the best reading app out there that was ever created since the iPad was invented is Reading Rainbow. That thing. LeVar Burton. I love you. And. But reading, I do. I love him so much. Reading um, Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. <laughs> you know, I was. I didn't have Reading Rainbow growing up. My daughter did, and then it came back with my other daughter, who was in a completely different decade. Mm-hmm. And now we got another one in another decade, and now it's digital for her. So it's like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm on a thing. But your kids mimic what you do. Pick up a book. Stop telling your children you're going back to school and you don't have any books in your house. <laughs> I don't understand. Get a, you know you know what a you know what a good cheap date is? The oh library. Or you can go to Barnes and Noble. They let you sit there and read the books for free. Oh my you just God. can't let, take it out. They let you read the books and play with the toys, girl. They got toys out at Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble was our spot. We had our own little corner in Barnes, and they got comfortable chairs with fabric on them. I'm just saying, there are things that you can do with your children that, you know, they don't need to be watching Love and Hip Hop. Don't don't sit here saying all the things right now. Your kids got bad grades, but can quote Fetty Wap. Nobody understands what he's saying. Children mimic what they do. So if you have babies, speak fucking English. Baby Einstein saved my life. Yeah, Einstein. baby Einstein is awesome. I'm just he saying. He loves classical music. That calms him. Yes. It, just, it does everything. They don't realize how good that is for children. It may not be for you. It, put, take, being a parent, it's taking self out. Do what's good for them, not what's good for you and what's gonna keep them quiet. I, I won't I won't go that far. I won't I mean, because yeah, there's something learned, I, I've learned a couple things about that too. Now, one of the things that we instituted at my house was reading time. Everybody shuts down there, no electronics, everybody takes about an hour and we just sit in the same room and we pick what we're gonna read and we just have silent time to read. I've been doing that since my kids were babies. When I said my daughter could read before she got to elementary school, I'm not just talking about her name. She can read full sentences. She can read chapter books when she got to elementary school and kindergarten because that's what we do all the time. Every family's not going to be able to do that. But you can label, you could put index cards with the names of things on your house and start word recognition early. And I said earlier, if you're, if your child can't talk, speak English, English may not be your language, but if you want them to speak, speak to them in full sentences. Use whatever language, whole language you have in your house. Speak to them in full. Stop speaking to your children in broken English. Stop. And ooh, what burns me up when I hear kids say, yeah, and ooh, huh, ooh, and no, what? It is yes. yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, sir, yes, sir. Mm. That is ingrained in me from the yes, day sir. that I was born. Yes, ma'am. Miss, Ms., Mr., you you teach them manners. Be, let them see you using manners. That's how kids learn manners. You you ingrain it in them. You bring them up and you make it a part of your culture in your home. I think too many of, especially, and, and I got to say this, y'all millennials with this co-parenting thing, 
There's no such thing as co-parenting. It's called parenting. Either you're there or you're not. There's no co. You're either a parent or you're not. All these labels on things, you guys have play dates that you schedule and all these wonderful things. You know, sometimes we need to take the labels off of everything and just spend some time talking to our kids. Mm. Sometimes we need to stop trying to make everything academic and get back to feeling. Get back. To, know what your child's resting bitch face looks like. <laughs> I'm so serious. It's, no. it's true, though. I mean, because no, you it's should, learned. You, you they learned be, it from you. No. If you have a resting yes. bitch face, your child's going to have a resting bitch face. And if something is wrong, you should be able to see it. If your child's behavior takes a shift, you should be able to see it. Now, that, that doesn't say that stuff can't happen that we miss because we... You know, kids got some stuff with them, but we got stuff with us, too. And what I really want to say is take care of yourselves, but set an example. We have lost the value of the example. Mm -hmm. You can't make the television the example. You can't make the computer. Even LeVar Burton is as luxurious as he is in my mind. He's not the example. He is part of my support system because he's been a part of my children's lives for so long. They know who he is, but that doesn't mean they know him. Mm. We need to start getting back to being able to look into each other's eyes, being able to look at each other's faces, sit down at the table and eat, sit down with your children and eat without a TV. Do that. Yeah, it's it, it's something, you know, with getting ready for school, um, military dad up at six, um, you know, in formation. I'm sorry. That's just how it was. And it's not a Beyonce reference. That is a military reference. You were in formation. You got your chores for the day. You got what you needed to do after school. You stood at attention. And when he said at ease, you go on about your business. No, actually, at ease, you relax, fall out, walk away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had to crack myself. He was serious about somebody. <laughs> but um, it, I, we have a schedule here. It's how it works. So when he leaves, when I know he's going to be at his dad's or somewhere else, he's going to be off schedule. But as soon as he steps in that door, 630 on Sunday, when he comes back, Oh, it's back on schedule. It's back on time. He might have some fits, but bedtime is bedtime. Dinner is dinner time. Snack time is snack time. Homework is homework time. Mommy and Christopher time is mommy and Christopher time. Mommy and Christopher's time might be, we're going to the comic book store today. That's my daddy's name. <laughs> and it's, it's wonderful to have that schedule because it creates consistency for you as the parent. Yes. Um, yes. It, as the parent, you need consistency because your life is hell because your, your, your child is gone all day, eight hours, but you are at work with hellish people. You, you might not be loving exactly what you do, but you're there for eight hours out of your day. Come home and love on your child. Put your phone down for five minutes 
and I'm one of the biggest tweeters out of the BGN crew, but put my phone down for a few minutes. I know how to unplug. And that's a big thing is getting your whole house to unplug. So two weeks before school starts, oh, we're back on schedule. School may not be in, but it's back to bedtime because you had your fun. It's over now. It's time to get back to it. So come home, unplug, and just relax in your own home. Do what you got to do. You, you you might have to take your pets out. You might have to do something. That hour and a half between dinner and bedtime, play, talk, do something. My son had the best night of his life when we sat down and played Adventure Time Monopoly and kicked everybody's ass. I don't know how. I really would love to know. That was his first time playing Monopoly, and he beat everybody. Board games are awesome. So we have this. We have a family game night with, luckily, me and my sisters are all here. So my family is tight-knit. We can do these things. You may not have that. Create that family around you. This We live in a time where we're so scared of our neighbors. It's insane. Mm. It's insane to me. We were talking about that today for me at work where people think it's crazy to go get a cup of sugar. But when you live on a military base, everybody knows everybody's business. Everybody watches everybody else's kid. So going over there for a cup of sugar was not a big deal. But apparently if you do that now, because I did that a week ago, I didn't have any more sugar. I wasn't going to run to the store. I went to my neighbor's house and they were completely weirded out that I asked for that. I don't know why, don't know how, but it was weird. So we've created this centralized, we have to stay in our houses, stay tight-knit. No sense of community. No, There's no sense of community anymore. And that's what helps raise a child. Mm-hmm. I feel like my formative years are on military bases with the community. Jamie, you lived in a military city. Was it the same for you? It was. It really mm-hmm. was. And then just transitioning and you know, moving from place to place. I lived in the same city where I was in the military town um, of Virginia Beach, but I did a lot of moving into different schools and different districts. I was stationed there too. Yeah, so I I definitely know what that's like just growing up in a military town and, um, you know, always having to make new friends. Um, So the struggle was real (laughs) growing up. it's, It's different now, so... That's another thing is making – I'm not so against playdates because it helped my son socialize and got him to be the social person that he is. Um, but don't be scared. If you got to go kick, pick your kid up and you see a parent standing right next to you, say hi. That could be a new support system for you because as parents, you need to – as parents of a kid, you need a support system that is outside of your partner. God, I love James with my entire heart. But if I did not have anybody else that had another kid that understood exactly what I was going through on the days where I just want to leave them at ASP and not pick them up and just let them deal with them for the rest of the night, Mm -hmm. that it's real. It's so real. real. And raising a little baby blurred is so hard because he's just so nerdy. So there's so many things that other people just he wants to talk to them about. Because it's easy when you have dumb kids. It's when you have kids that don't aren't interested in anything they're not and come on we know we all went to school with somebody where the elevator didn't quite go to the top floor and (laughs) those kids don't take as much effort 
as kids who have a vivid imagination, the ones that are inquisitive, the ones that are curious about the world, my kids got more questions than somebody on their way to jail. I don't understand. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have to learn things to keep up with them. And there's some days I just have to shake my head. Now, I, I don't I don't want you guys to think that I'm against play dates. I think play dates are fantastic. But I think the rigidity in the context that they live is a problem because our kids used to be able to just go outside and play. I used to be able to just go outside and there would be other children there. Not anymore. Not anymore. It has changed. Yeah. And, it, and the support that we have, you know, we need a support system as parents and we need support system as families. Not, and that's what we had in our communities coming up. We had whole families that supported anybody on my block could give me a whooping. Yep. For real. Anybody on my block that saw me doing something I didn't have any business doing, they could pull me up by my collar, drag me home, and tell my mama what happened. I had so many oh shit moments when I realized somebody who knew my mama. Girl. Mm. I was like, oh no. What did mm. I do? And I look just <laughs> like my father. I couldn't get away if I tried. It's like to this day, they like, you look. Mm. I was like, mm, I don't know how. <laughs> but it's, it's changed. And I think yeah. that just seeking these things out and setting down a schedule and communication is key to the teachers, to your partner, mm-hmm. to your child. You don't have that. Everything's going to fall by the wayside. There are times I'm going to ignore you. There are times we all selectively ignore our children. If you say you don't selectively ignore your child when he's asking for popcorn like mine just did, then you're a liar. Everybody selectively ignores their child every now and then because they need to. That's just what they do. You you selectively, we don't like to admit it, we selectively ignore our partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. good. That's cool. Keep doing that. That's fine. Yeah. But we can't not have the communication with our children that we need because they're not going to prosper if we don't do that. And you want to see them grow. You want to see them blossom into be these fully rounded human beings. And without communication, that's not going to happen. That's the truth. Wow. This is great advice. What an amazing discussion. And I hope that all the parents that are listening to this episode is really getting a lot of insight and that you guys had a chance to take some notes and be able to implement some of these ideas and perspectives into your parenting lifestyle. So, so thank you guys so much for tuning in and thank you Karan and Kayla for this very good discussion. I I think a wealth of knowledge um, was dropped for our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you. And let these kids have some fun and go have some fun yourself and decompress. Yes. 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 Let them children play. Like just dress up as your favorite character. You'll feel so much better. Do some cosplay with your kids. Being a blurred parent is the best thing in the world. It is. It really is. It It is the most fulfilling thing in the world to have your son dress up as Finn and you dress up as Jake the dog. Yeah, Yeah, because my kids are weird and I love it. All of them weird. They just bunch of weirdos, and we know it, and they profess it, and I'm good with that. The best thing I see when I go to these cons is seeing all of the cosplay families get together. Yes, you know, to see them together as a family cosplaying as all these different characters, it's the best photo ops ever, and I love sharing them. And yeah, it's a great experience to to witness. It's great. It's That's so awesome. fun.